Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Warden. My guest today is Pier Luigi Bolla. Hi, Pier Luigi. Hi, good morning. So Bolla is one of Italy's best known wine families. Where do you fit into the Bolla family history? Well, actually, my family started uh, the wine business uh, early in uh, 1883 when in Soave, my great-grandfather uh, opened a post hotel in order to receive uh, clients, serve food, and of course, serve, uh, serve wine. And uh, in order to keep uh, our uh, serving our own wine, he started to buy some lands and built uh, the first winery in uh, Suave, uh, then in Valpolicella. In 1939, so before the, the, the Second uh, uh, World War, my father bought uh, in Valdo Biadene uh, the company Valdo. And uh, since then, uh, Valdo concentrated uh, his production in the sparkling wine and mostly Prosecco. So how did Prosecco sales do during the COVID um, situation? Uh, well, Prosecco has been increasing uh, his uh, penetration uh, not, only in Italy, you know, not, not only in Italy, but throughout uh, the world, even uh, uh, during the COVID uh, situation. Uh, in addition to this, uh, we have to remember that uh, last year uh, we uh, introduced the Prosecco DOC uh, Rosé, uh, which was the most uh, exciting uh, uh, happening in the wine industry probably in the last uh, uh, two or three years. Uh, and uh, uh, the product has been uh, well received. Uh, by the trade, not only the trade, but also by the consumer. So the, the increase of uh, consumption of the Prosecco, both uh, white or rosé uh, type, uh, is, uh, keep, keeps increasing even in uh, 21. Mm -hmm. it, it, I'm sure you've been asked this question 465 times already. Why is Prosecco still so very popular with so many people? Well, I think uh, uh, Prosecco uh, ties with uh, a new uh, style of life, you know, where the consumer is looking for uh, fresh products, uh, fruity, easy to drink, uh, looking for uh, maybe one or more glasses uh, in addition uh, without having uh, uh, problems for drunk driving or uh, headache or whatever. And, uh, uh, you know, of course, uh, the sparkling wine business uh, is in any case increasing uh, around the world. And the Prosecco today is uh, taking a very important uh, piece of, uh, of the business. We don't have to forget that uh, combining Prosecco white and the Prosecco rosé we are talking about 600 million bottles uh, shipped in 2000 and 2020. In a particularly, 
consumption of Prosecco has increased uh, dramatically in, uh, in Europe. In the German-spoken uh, language countries like uh, Germany, Switzerland, Austria. Uh, in England is flat, in the United States is flat, but uh, in the East countries, uh, in the Far East, uh, and uh, Italy and France uh, is still performing very well. Just going back again to the to the rosé, obviously very successful. I mean, the branding of that is it, it looks very simple, but there is obviously a huge amount of thought and research that went into that branding. How do you start? Um, how do you start the process of of branding a new product like uh, the Prosecco Rosé? Well, we don't have it to forget that uh, about uh, ten years ago we started uh, working on uh, changing the regulation of the product of, of uh, the regulation for production at the Prosecco. You know, about uh, ten years ago we had only one Prosecco DOC. Then uh, a DOC GG region, the Italy region north of uh, Treviso, which today is being uh, uh, um, Declared the UNESCO territory. Uh, so the DOCGG, the traditional hilly historic area, has been created. And uh, the DOC area uh, enlarging the production uh, in the Friuli uh, region has been uh, created uh, outside of the province of uh, Treviso. Of course, Prosecco has become a region. Uh, not only a type, uh, a variety of grape uh, like it used to be, and being uh, a, a region, you know, of course, uh, we said, uh, why don't we add uh, a rosé style of a Prosecco? Uh, since, uh, uh, in any case, uh, there was some tradition decades, uh, decades ago in uh, uh, producing uh, uh, a rosé sparkling wine in the province of uh, Treviso. And uh, they, the regulators uh, decided to use uh, Pinot Noir uh, to be added to the uh, Prosecco in order uh, to become a rosé. A Pinot Noir vinified in red, not vinified in white like uh, you know, some other sparkling wines. And the reason is because, as you know, uh, in the Prosecco, we are allowed to add uh, Pinot, uh, Pinot, Pinot, Pinot White, Chardonnay, and also uh, Pinot Noir. So since, since, uh, since that, we had already the uh, regulation ready, if you will. And uh, uh, I think uh, it was a great uh, idea because uh, we are combining with the Prosecco DOC Rosé two major trends around the world. The increase of consumption of a Prosecco on one side and the dramatic increase of Rosé style wine from the other side. So the combination of these two very important trends have created the Prosecco Rosé. How, how important was the, was the choice of the, the colour? The colour looks to me quite quite pale. Um, was that a really important thing that you had to get right? The, the, the visual aspect of the of the bottle. Uh, well, the the the, the colour has a consequence, you know, of course, of the limited quantity of Pinot Noir, uh, which uh, uh, 
even if is only you know something around the 10 10 percent by the fact that is vinified in red is not giving a strong color to the product uh, like the pale you know uh, if in, in fact uh, you know we, we as Valdo believed very much in the rose sparkling business uh, about 15 years ago we created a special today of uh, uh, Nerello Mascalese that we grow in Sicily and uh, uh, Glera, 70% Nerello Mascalese vinified in, in Rosé and, uh, and Glera. And uh, the combination of these uh, uh, two uh, grapes, this very particular, particular uh, um, cuvée, uh, you know, of course, has a very tonic, very strong color because of the Nerello Mascalese 70% Content. Vice versa, with the Pinot Noir 15%, uh, the color is uh, very pale and uh, is a totally, completely different uh, uh, wine, even at, at the nose. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing kind of um, way of creating a brand. I mean, you never would have guessed that particular blend of regions um, would, have, would have been able to create such a sort of popular wine. But then again, um, I suppose France has been doing that for a long time as well, um, of creating these sparkling wines that come from very different places sometimes, but taste like they come from a single place. You, you, you know, the, 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 uh, the characteristic of the red grapes in the Veneto area are not strong, like uh, in the Trentino or uh, in Sicily or in, uh, in the Puglia. So... You know, even considering Pinot, Pinot Noir, the Pinot Noir that grows in the province of Treviso, Vicenza, of Friuli, it's a, a much lighter Pinot Noir than the Pinot Noir that you find in Trentino, Alto Adige, that you find in Otre Pavese, or if you find even in, in Sicily. And, uh, you know, the characteristic of the variety of the grape helps very much in giving this characteristic to the Prosecco d'Orosé of fruity, vers- uh, you know, fruity lightness, typical of, uh, uh, of, uh, of a Prosecco, but uh, uh, you know, a, a very amazing pale uh, uh, color. What about the, the, the domestic market in Italy for, for wine, not just sparkling wine, but wine in general? How has that changed over, over recent years? Uh, well, the, the you know, in, the consumption of, generally speaking, the consumption of a wine is uh, is increasing a little bit, uh, giving having given the off-premise business uh, a very powerful uh, activity uh, during the you know the the COVID period, and uh, you know that all the restaurants have been closed, the hotels have been closed. So all the, the, the home consumption have, uh, have increased and uh, the internet, the e-commerce, you know, have, uh, have increased. So people uh, has shown an interest to look for more variety, variety of wines, a better quality of wines. And uh, at the end, 
the numbers shows show a little uh, a little increase. You know, both in steel wines and generally speaking, even in sparkling wine. We will see. We will see when uh, you know the things will be better uh, when the off-premise business will recover. You know what what will happen in terms of uh, home consumption. Uh, restaurants consumption and uh, and uh, uh, off-premise uh, uh, activity. So probably the, the the second half of the year will uh, will tell us uh, will tell us uh, you know if uh, this changing this uh, changes in the market have been uh, only for the COVID reason or if there is in effect a change in the uh, uh, consumer mind in terms of a consumer of wine. Let's talk a little bit about international markets. Um, what, are your, what are your key markets and brands for uh, export? Well, for us, for us, of course, Europe is very important. Uh, Germany, France, uh, Germany, uh, Switzerland, and, uh, uh, and Austria are, are top markets for us. England is very important. Uh, we hope that uh, this year uh, the market can show uh, an increase because last year uh, the market was flat or a little, uh, you know, little down two or three per two or three percent. Of course, the United States is very important uh, because uh, is probably the most important market around the world in terms of wine consumption. Uh, but we pay a lot of attention to the new markets in the Far East, like uh, Japan, uh, like uh, China, uh, like uh, some other countries uh, where consumption of the sparkling wine generally is increasing and particularly possible. And then we, we are considering a lot of attention to the uh, organic products because uh, uh, we see signs of little increases in consumption of uh, the organic sparkling wine. Uh, little signs, but, uh, uh, you know, every year it's uh, an increase. So I, I, I think the, the, the organic bubbles will give us a good chance in the future to increase our business. So are you using um, your suppliers, grape suppliers? Do they get any sort of training if they want to go organic, or is it their their own personal decision? It's not you, the company, telling them, "Oh, we need more organic grapes." Well, you know, the the, the company has uh, uh, decided to uh, accelerate uh, his uh, activity in the sustainable economy range uh, in terms of uh, uh, not only uh, products but also supply of energy, attention to you know, the, 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 the work activity, uh, attention to uh, the, the, the villages, the city where we stay, to our workers, to our human capital. Uh, you know, we have decided to adopt an ethic rule in our company. We uh, created the Corporate responsibility document uh, in this uh, in this sense. Uh, today, seventy 
85-80% of our energy is uh, coming from renewable sources, sources. and of course uh, organic products are are considered uh, top priorities. In in that situation we need to convince the the, the growers, we need to make special agreements in order to uh, uh, have the possibility uh, to develop uh, this business. We have started uh, uh, five, uh, uh, six years ago with uh, uh, Prosecco DOC, organic. Then uh, three years ago, we added Garda sparkling wine DOC. And uh, in June, we will uh, present into the market uh, the Prosecco DOCG di Valdobbiadene, organic. Uh, it will be called uh, uh, Amor Vite, you know, uh, uh, Love for the Life, Amor Vite. And uh, so we will uh, produce uh, 2,000 bottles almost uh, of DOCG. And then, uh, you know, the, the line of our uh, uh, organic. Uh, uh, prosecco and the sparkling at that point uh, we count uh, of uh, three products so the road uh, is uh, is assigned have you got to the stage where you would think about making prosecco from single single sites or single terroirs yes we have started you we uh, have a special uh, cuvee uh, like uh, Rive di San Pietro di Barbozza, which uh, is coming from uh, a single property uh, near to Valdobbiadene. Uh, and, uh, you know, we are the uh, first company and one of the few today that produces uh, Prosecco DOCCG with the Champagne method. Uh, fermentation in the bottle, so we probably are the only one a producer that can uh, uh, have uh, a tasting of uh, a different uh, vertical tasting of different vintages of our number 10, that uh, our cuvee of Prosecco Metodo Classico, uh, fermented in the bottle, and uh, we are we have introduced this year a new Metodo Classico, uh, that is called Pradase, and it comes from our own property in the center of the Valdobbiadene. It's uh, one and a half uh, hectare with uh, um, fermentation of 24 uh, months. So today we are presenting in the market the Prosecco uh, 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 2019. And uh, uh, this uh, property is being uh, included in the register, in, in a special uh, register developed by the region of Veneto uh, that has uh, uh, limited to, I believe, uh, uh, 40, 45 single vineyard properties with a specific name and specific uh, production rules. Yeah, I think that's a. Uh... It's a good. It's a good way to go. I'm not sure about the production costs on those 
Um, I, I mean, what sort of volumes would we would be be talking about from a single terroir prosecco? Well, in this case, we are talking about uh, seven thousand bottles. Okay, with the Rive San Pietro di Barbosa, we are talking about uh, eighteen thousand bottles. But uh, the the uh, the idea is. Uh, you see, the, in, in 1990, we have started with the idea of making special cuvée of Prosecco uh, OCG, uh, starting from uh, like 100% Prosecco, uh, another Prosecco with uh, like 1926, we have it, where is 90% and 10% Chardonnay. Then we have a Fondatore, a cuvée Fondatore, which is uh, uh, still 90% Glera, 10% uh, Chardonnay, but the Chardonnay is aged in barrique for three months. So we, we develop a special cuvée coming from the same source of the vineyard. Uh, now we want to follow the strategy of develop a single vineyard Prosecco uh, with different characteristics, like if, you, if we have... Uh, a wine that we are studying in Val d'Obiadene, that Prosecco will be more mineral because uh, uh, the characteristic of the soil in Val d'Obiadene is uh, uh, rock, most of rock, very deep hill, you know, uh, like eighth of 400 to 500 meters uh, on a sea level. Uh, when you go to Conegliano Val d'Obiadene, where you have uh, a characteristic of soil that is clay, hill are not so deep, and the extra dry, fruity style is uh, uh, more characteristic than, than in Valdobiane. So, so, so studying different soil, studying different uh, climate situation, we wanted to develop a different uh, Prosecco with a different taste and a different sugar content. Interesting. Have you got any more innovations um, to share? Any more new products or themes? Well, in terms of the products, yes. We, we, well, we are studying some innovation in the fermentation, but, you know, of course, those innovations take a lot of time. Uh, we are studying something because in, nine, in 2026, Baldo uh, will celebrate his uh, centenary, so we are starting to make some experiments and uh, I hope that uh, in 2026 uh, this uh, uh, experiment can be shared with our customers and with our friends uh, uh, with a new product. Okay. Is there a secret to the new product that we're not allowed to hear about yet? or? Well, we don't know yet if our innovation... Uh, uh, can be worthwhile, it can be positive or negative. So we have started uh, with uh, uh, last vintage and you know may- may- maybe next year we will uh, communicate, uh, we will give uh, some information uh, about this uh, innovation if we will be happy with the quality. Okay, final question. You've had a long day at the office, you go home, you open a bottle of uh, Prosecco, whether it's a white one or a pink one, what would your favorite dish be, your piatto preferito? Of course, pasta. I love pasta. <laughs> I love pasta, both in a very simple way, 
or with uh, uh, strong sauces. But, uh, you know, the pasta with oil of olive and the cheese, it's my favorite one. And uh, so uh, that would be probably the best compliment for my wife and for, uh, for myself with uh, a bottle of a Prosecco bar. So basically just a bit of olive oil, olio, and um, a little bit of uh, grated cheese, yeah? Yeah, of course. Yeah, certo, certo. Of course, uh, then uh, the, the, the cheese, the ham. Uh, but you see, the, the fantastic thing of a Prosecco is, is at the end that uh, you can uh, pair you know, any type of food except, uh, except probably, you know, grilled meat, barbecue or uh, game. So, you know, the, the heavy stuff. Uh, so it's, uh, I remember when in 1990, consumption of Prosecco was limited to celebration, to Christmas, to Easter, to important you know, celebration in the family. Uh, today, Prosecco is uh, a great aperitif, a great product uh, to make uh, you know, uh, mixing cocktail, but at the same time uh, to go from, uh, from, from pasta to, to fish, to meat, to sweet, uh, and uh, to, to, to pair with uh, all your meal. Perfect. Okay. They're very interesting um, for all those. Very interesting and, and all your products that you're, you're creating and seeing ahead. Uh, working obviously on long time scales, also very interesting. So, I just want to say thanks very much, Pierre Luigi Bolla uh, from the Valdo Winery, um, for a brilliant interview. Really enjoyed listening to you, and um, hopefully we can meet sometime face to face. Be really nice to see. You. Yes, yes, we will be looking for, we'll be looking for, and we waited for you in Valdo That's very kind of you, Pierre Luigi Bolla. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.